Yo, welcome back to another episode of the Culture Capture Spotlight Podcast. Today, I'm being joined by Holt. Holt, how's it going, bro? Going really well, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. Um, let's start talking about just like this new album you were just telling me about. So you've been working on a new tape? Yeah, dude. I have been working vigorously on my third album, and uh, we're pretty close to being done. So I'm super excited about it. It's at that phase of like where you know exactly what songs are going on the record and whatnot. Now it's just finishing up and tweaking out, you know, certain parts. So it's really exciting. I'm hyped. What could like what should we expect? And you know, obviously you don't want to spoil the surprise, but what could we right. expect in terms of just like you know this being your third album and just with your experience and overall just different experiences at the different levels of this thing well it's definitely all action so i'm really hyped to uh from a live standpoint this is probably going to be the most fun album i've ever done um i uh i actually was meaning to do this album as my second album but because being signed to good music and whatnot how that played out it kind of I accidentally made a full album that I didn't want the songs to go to waste. So that's what the second album ended up becoming. But um, this album is like, I like I always plan to make this album. So this is a very direct and clear record that I'm making, you know, for that. That's like a representation to me. This has nothing to do with anything else, but the songs that I like to make. And um, I've always felt like, you know, through my process, you know, I don't force my songs. I don't, you know, I don't try to make specific things. So uh, the albums come out how they just come out. And sometimes I feel like they don't necessarily um, represent the full scape of myself. But this album definitely does that. And fully independent, right? No. I've I've been signed. My my first album came out on Good. My second album came out on another label, and I'm up, still on said label that I'm about to drop this third album on. Cool, cool man. Um, well, let's kind of dive into the Good Music. Um, your time with Good Music. Can you kind of talk about first of all how it all started? Like where you were at like the point in your life, you know when that opportunity came about and like how it came about? Yeah, sure. I, uh, I've definitely covered this. Uh, so there's definitely a lot on the internet about it, but it's really basically I'm from Chicago. So, you know, I've always kind of been immersed, like the people involved in the good music camp initially are like my friends I grew up with. So, and uh, my cousin Mano and I, we kind of created our own lane as rappers uh, from the city without utilizing, you know, our relationships. Like we kind of built our own scene and everyone took notice. And I was, I was a rapper for a long time. I used to go by the name Hollywood Hulk. And I, uh, over time I got stuck in a bogus deal, et cetera. And I ended up uh, being stuck on this, on this deal where I basically couldn't put out music for about five years. And, um, and then the, I started making the music that I really enjoy. I always felt like rap was like a 
a fun skill, but it wasn't the only skill, you know, I had. And I would feel like I was like doing myself a disservice by only rapping when I, you know, had all these melodies and ideas in my head that were like, you know, I'll have like a full orchestrated song in my head, but I'm only spitting bars. So I started in in that time of being stuck in that deal i just started doing what i really wanted to do because i was so frustrated with with the scenario i was in the label i was on and um you know making a million songs a million rap songs you kind of get tired of it so i was like i want to you know push my abilities and then also i just didn't care anymore i was like i'm just do whatever the fuck i want so i started making the music that i make now and um when I made that music, I, I've, I've always been around the homies and whatnot. And basically an opportunity presented itself. I saw Kanye in New York and, you know, we hung out, he invited me to the studio. Blase, blase. I told the story a bunch of times, but, um, basically he heard one of the songs that I did really liked it. And it spawned from there. And then over time he ended up signing me and then I'm boom, I dropped my first album on, uh, on good music but that process was like another like three four years and then while on my time at good music uh a million changes happened like Kanye wasn't really involved in the good music aspect it kept going to different people and whatnot and now it's kind of it's kind of been you know, i don't know where it is now but but it hasn't changed anything right like no one's like everyone on good music is still good music it's just that there's not a good music thing happening at the moment yeah, it's just like what's really impressed me, I guess, was like your attitude and other interviews when you're talking about it and stuff was just like, yeah, you're not angry at anybody or anyone. It's just like you understand how this is an industry and just how things work and how there's constant yeah. cycles and changes and like, 100%. um, and one of that in that same interview, you were talking about how like, yeah, you were a rapper for a while, but like you wanted to make this more like hyper rock music and like you know, now that's kind yeah. of what you make and like, it's kind of more yeah. about being yourself. So like, can you kind of go into more detail about that again for just like these listeners and whatnot about yeah, like, sure. you know, just being yourself as an artist. Cause I feel like that gets lost in TikTok trends and, and then trendiness. <laughs> yeah. and hype. Uh, you know, I let everybody live, right? I'm like, everybody goes through their journey the way they find it and et cetera. Right. So I never tell anybody what they should or shouldn't do or things like that. I just tell people what worked for me and what didn't. And, and hopefully they can pull something from that. But I, I was, I've always been a punk rocker, right? Like I've always been in a punk, like ever since I was a little kid. And it was solely because I just liked the music. I had no idea of the culture or anything like that. I just, I initially heard a song that was a punk song that, and, and when I heard it, it matched my energy. It was the first song I ever heard that like represented what my like brain sounded like. You know what I mean? I've always been this hyper, like crazy fucking kid so when i heard punk music for the first time i was like what the fuck this is what this is me right and it was just a solely strictly from the music standpoint and then over time obviously i got into the uh scene in the culture of it and whatnot but i've never been one of those people who just would stick to one like scene one culture one like i i wanted to experience any and everything that i thought was interesting so from a very young age 
I already wanted to crowd surf and whatnot, but then I became a rapper and I was in the hip hop scene and I was skating and I was, I was in all these different like social groups. And when I started rapping, I didn't even realize that it was something new or different to the, you know, culture of what I was in, but I was the first like rapper that was crowd surfing at every show and taking the shirt off and going crazy because I only put, I only added this live show mentality based off of what I knew and what I liked was punk shows. Right. And I, I didn't think of it like, Oh, this is going to be groundbreaker or anything like that. I just am a crazy ass nigga. And I was like, I want to crowd surf at all my shows. I want to fucking make people go crazy. Like the point of the show is to like get this energy out. Right. So it started to go around that like I had like a punk show and I never like like if you listen to any of the rap stuff I wasn't like rap rock like you know spitting bars over like rock songs or or anything like that I just have that energy because that's who I actually am so it's always kind of been there right and and then also basically I'd have rap shows but then I, right afterwards I'd leave and go to a punk show you know what I mean? I'd, I'd be in some balling ass club and then leave it and go to a punk bar and shit. Like, like that's just what I happened to like, right? And I didn't correlate the two to each other until much later. But um, so when I started, you know, when I got stuck in the deal and I started making the music that I wanted to make, I was able to pull all of these elements of music that I just like. It wasn't that I was trying to make punk songs. Like, I've never tried to be a punk. Right? I never tried to be like a punk dude. I just am that way. And that's just how the sounds come out. But I like, you know, my, my the things that I love are like all type of different shit. I would strip the music down to like, what kind of sounds do I like? Okay, I like that synthy, crazy, like, like you know, marble sound from Daft Punk. Okay, put that in there. I like surf guitar. Okay, put that in there. Or I like gangster ass fucking Dr. Dre type drums. Okay, put that in there. And I never... And I just made the sounds that I liked and, and it came out to be what people call it now. Right. Yeah. But th like, I, there was never any like agenda or style to be a certain way. So I feel like the best way to go about it is to literally strip it down and, and look at the specific things that you like, right? Like almost like ingredients. It's like, I like this, I like this. And I like that. Like no matter how it comes out, just do that shit. And um, so I feel like nowadays it, it feels kind of cool that you can go back to like 2006 and see shows of me crowd surfing and wilding the fuck out. And now today it's like almost mandatory. It's popular. Like it's weird if you're not, you know, going fucking nuts on stage. And to me, that shit is dope. I like that. Like I like to see, I like that what I liked became the normal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And like, um, <clears throat> how much of that, like, how how important is that for like other artists listening and just like other people trying to chase their bag in terms of just like creating, in terms of just kind of being a creator, you know what I mean? No matter if it's artists yeah. or just clothes, whatever. People that just got to understand, like, you got to do what you want to do versus like trying to do what's forced upon you or like right. what's around you, you know? What works or whatever's cracking and shit, right? I think, you know, the best thing I can say to that is because it's hard, it's hard to tell people who want to be artists, who love to make music, like, don't chase the thing because 
you know, uh, based off of authenticity or whatever, because it's like these people are trying to make music for a living and they still got to eat every day. They still got to make it happen. And it's, it's easy to talk about the artistic aspect of it, but motherfuckers is broke. So it's like, you know, if this person thinks, man, if I do this song with this person, even though it's not something that I would usually choose, it'll generate sales. You know, I always tell people, you know, go about your journey the way you go about it. Because a lot of the artists who are like the coolest of cool now, if you look at their original music, they had to play the game. They had to do those like Rihanna, right? Rihanna like is like the coolest cool, like she can do pretty much anything and it's fresh, right? And it's very authentic. But you remember when she first came out, she was doing straight pop hits. You know what I mean? And until she got to the space where she had full control to do whatever she wanted is when you started to see the real style and whatnot. Now, I'm, I'm speculating. This is based off of what I see. I'm not, you know, I don't know her actual journey. But what I can say to most people in my personal experience, every time you ch chase the move or you do the flow that everybody's doing or you try the beats that everybody tries, if it's not authentic to you, people are going to be able to tell. And it never actually works. So based off of my personal opinion, I think that you'll always succeed doing the thing that you really love that's the most authentic. Because if people are subscribing to you, they're looking at you as an artist, they want to know you. They want to know, they want to learn you. They want to know about you. So if you put out some shit that's not you, they're going to be able to tell that shit. And it doesn't work. Like anytime you chase... Or especially if you chase some shit that's like a popular trend, because then you're not a unique artist anymore. Now you're one of 500,000 other motherfuckers doing the same flow or doing the same shit. You know what I mean? So the best bet is to just be truly honest with yourself and hope that it works out. Because unfortunately, some people, their natural shit is to make whack music. You can't, you know. Not it, it doesn't work for everybody, right? So you just got to be 100% yourself and hope the shit works out and have the wherewithal to know that sometimes you got to fucking play the game a long time. Some people pop really quickly. Some people get a, a nice setup. Some people fucking, it takes a long time. Like, you know, it just, you, there's no calling it. Right. I wanted to bring, uh, and shed some light on that, like, you're producing and you making your own beats. Um, yeah. when did you, when did you start producing? Like when, what can you kind of pinpoint a year or time frame? In oh your career? yeah, absolutely. 2000. And I think nine is when I started to produce. I I've always had a producer's mentality, right? Like I would go into the studio with a producer as a rapper and go, Hey, can you turn the hi-hats like this? Or can you put this here? Can you, you know what I mean? I would compose. I, I knew where and what places I wanted the music to sound like, but I didn't know how to use the actual programs. Right. So I thought, well, I don't know how to use logic, so I'm not a producer or whatever. Right. Uh, and then it wasn't until I linked up with my like partner in, in, in my music brand, uh, the whole brand LaFonz, who he was a kid that um he would send me all type of different beats he would send me like a a daft punk type of beat he sent me like a, a rock beat he sent me a hip-hop beat and it was like i like the fact that he had the the range to try and do everything and he was just like a young dude on the come up like just basically saying sending me beats to try to fuck with me and shit so 
I invited him over to the crib and was like, yo, check it out. I got all these songs in my fucking head. I know exactly how I want them to sound. Just listen to me, make them exactly how I tell you, and then we'll be lit, right? And then and then we started the whole project. And the first beat we ever made was the Back to Black by uh, Amy Winehouse, the, the cover I did for Amy Winehouse. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but when I start, I made the beats like he just programmed them like and saved them. Like I would tell him, like, turn this in here and then I'd play it and I'd tell him to save it, et cetera. And then we started making beats and then I started learning logic myself. And I've uh, every album that I've made uh, from the Hope Project, as far as like uh, since the my first subtitle album, I made all the beats. So and then I make beats for other people and whatnot. But yeah, a lot of people don't really realize because when you listen to my music, you just hear like the rock elements and me singing and whatnot. But I don't think people really correlate that I make all the music in them also. Yeah, no, I don't think I think people in general just don't give like producers and engineers like their flowers. And it's like it's yeah. it's really just kind of an issue because it's like there's such a focal point of like the sounds that people love and like. Yeah, the trends that everybody likes to jump into. It's like, yeah, these producers that you don't know are like the reason you're dancing to this song, you know, because they created yeah. it. Um, I know you've talked about this in other interviews, so you know you can go into as much detail obviously as you want. But I wanted to see if you could talk about though you got the Great Gatsby trailer song. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I heard about that in your interviews, and I just thought that story <laughs> is like. It's a it's real, a, like, a industry story, story, too, yeah. because it's, like, you kind of understand, it gives people perspective of, like, this stuff doesn't happen in, like, one week. Like, a three-minute song or a four-minute song, like, that doesn't take one day necessarily to just happen. So if you can kind of uh, go through that whole, like, process, um, that'd be really dope. Yeah. So I, uh, like I said, we had, I had linked up with LaFonz during the time I was stuck in the deal. So I was actually making this type of music in 2009, right? I had the ideas and the songs in my head in 2008. And um, it wasn't until literally like 2011 or 12 that I was even, like, I was, I, 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 I this always happens to me. I'll, like, you'll hear an album from me, but I'll have that album will, would have been done three years ago, Right. But because I don't really make music based off of a timeline or a popularity or something like that, when you you can hear a song from me from five years ago or right now, and you're going to be able to tell when it was made. Like, I try to keep it timeless like that. Um, but so we made we made about eight songs. And I was just, that was the first time I felt fulfilled as an artist because I was like, the shit that's in my head, I can now listen to and I hear it and it's exactly how the fuck I wanted it. And it's just the most gratifying feeling because it's not a single piece that that stands out. It's the whole body together. Like, I like I like the way I sing. It's I. I like my beats and shit. But, like, them all together making the final song is, like, the most gratifying shit in the world to me. So... I knew that this was some different shit. I knew that nobody was doing shit like this. And I I didn't want to just throw it up on the internet or leak it or whatever because I was stuck in the deal. So I sat on it for a long ass time. And so it just so happens that I'm in New York. I don't know what the fuck. I was out there for some shit, but I was always in New York. 
but I happened to be in New York at the time that my good friends, the Joel and Benji Madden and Josh Madden, like they're, uh, they're in a group called good Charlotte and they're, you know, they're, they're big as fuck in the pop punk world and shit. Um, but they just happened to be my homies. Like they were just some fucking, these are my good friends. Right. Um, and we go to some bar, literally some bar. Now I'm, I'm saying this from the scope, scope of my eye, but I'm also now cognizant that the bar that I was going to is not just a regular bar motherfuckers of being like, like it was obviously some like shit, you know, some cool guy shit or whatever. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm not going to act like, Oh, I was just walking down the street and went to a bar. It's like, no, it was some shit that like some invite only shit. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know at the time though, because they were just like, Hey, we're going to go grab a drink. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll roll with y'all. Boom. Very so casual. we're in the bar. Yeah, like you didn't, you couldn't tell until you were in the scenario. It was like, it literally felt like a regular bar. You walk in and sat down at like, like any other place, got drinks, talking and shit, hanging out. And then Kanye walks in with some dude and I know Kanye, you know what I mean? I, I, all right, I'm like, I said, I'm from Chicago. So when he walked in, I was like, oh shit, what's up, nigga? Like said hi, we were talking and shit, hanging out for a minute. I was obviously hyped. Like, damn, that's tight. Kanye just walked in the fucking bar. <laughs> right so we're, we're chatting it up and he's like yo i'm gonna go to the studio and i'm like bro he's like you want to come I'm like what the fuck yes nigga <laughs> so we go to the studio and this is i'm trying to think of what specific year i gotta look this up because i tell the story all the time and i never know what the fuck um specific year was but i i recall that it was three years two or three years before Watson Throne came out. And so we get to the studio and he's playing, he plays us the whole Watch the Throne album two years or three years before it comes out. And I was like, what the fuck? Dude? It was obviously the coldest shit I ever heard in my life ever because it is, you know what I mean? Like imagine hearing that shit like three years beforehand. Yeah. So I'm just bugging the fuck out. And he plays niggas in Paris. And I was like, this is the fucking hit song, nigga. This is over. This is it. This is the song. And he goes, um, and I think I can't stop was the was the hit. And I'm like, nah, nigga, I'm telling you. <laughs> niggas in Paris is going to go everywhere. I promise you. And like straight. I mean, it, we were both right, obviously, because all the songs on that shit is a hit. But um, uh, so he's playing me the shit. My guys play him, they shit, and I'm trying to play it cool, right? I'm not trying to play myself. I've never been the kind of person that'll, like, run after a nigga or, like, you know, it's got to be right. It's got to be set up. They got to want to hear that. They got to want to fuck with me for me to do that shit because I don't want to be like, yo, bro, you like hip-hop? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to jump off the bridge and play myself. So it's like, if it's warranted, then I'll, then I'll go there. So I'm just chilling and kind of, you know, playing my lane, like not, not being extra and shit. And, uh, he finally asked me like, yo, what you been working on? I was like, yes. I was like, actually I've been working on this like different sound. I was like, check it out. And I played him the back to black one. Cause that was like my favorite joint that I made. So I played him the black to black shit and he just bugged out. And it was like the most, exciting moment of my whole life right like from a from an artist standpoint obviously and i was just like i was bugging out that he was bugging out i'm like okay it was one of those validating things yeah. like you know i sat on the song for two two something three years so i'm like 
I knew it was dope in my head, right? But I'm like, maybe it's just me, right? And then I play it for this nigga, and he's bugging out. I'm like, see, I'm not fucking crazy. This shit is dope, right? So he's bumping the shit. I'm like super hyped. He played it like 10 times. I was like, God damn, yes. I don't know what's happening, but I love it. <laughs> and he's like, he said, he just kept being like, this song is dope, right? And I played him some of the other songs that I made, you know, on the same, like, the same tip. And, you know, he was fucking with him. He liked him and shit. But the way he responded to the Back to Black shit was like, he just thought that shit was cold as fuck. And I was just so hyped. So the cooler thing was we were playing another song that wasn't that. And while I'm playing, while we're playing the song, fucking Rihanna comes into the, to the uh, studio. She comes in the room. And she had red hair. I never forget the shit. She she walks in and just starts bobbing her head hard as fuck and goes, "Damn, what the fuck is this?" And I was like, "Oh my god, yes, this is raw." She fucking without knowing me or nothing, just like co-signed that shit. She was like, "What is this?" She was like, "This is dope." I was like, and then Kanye said it was me. She was like, "Yo, man, you snapped." I was like, "Thanks, Rihanna." You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, imagine that. Like, the other big-ass artist walks in the room. Because, like, I felt like Kanye was fucking with the one song. But when Rihanna came in and kind of was like, yo, this shit is raw, too, he started to see it. Like, all right, this nigga got some shit. I'm like, yes. So, you know, he says peace. I bounce and shit. And uh, the funny shit is, I like... He was, I think Rihanna and him were about to start a session. So he was like, all right, man, I'll see y'all later. And so my other homies were walking out and I kind of tried to like, you know, finesse and stay back type shit. Yeah. That nigga walked right up to me. He was like, all right, bro, see you later. I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck, I'm saying all this shit to say like, dude, I wasn't like Mr. Cool Guy. Like I was, you know, it was real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was excited. This is a nigga who like, inspired my whole career type shit like it's impossible to not be inspired by yay niggas a brilliant you know artist so i'm not finna front like i was like yeah you know we was chilling and i said yeah nigga. you know what i mean like i was hyped so that shit bounce uh, we bounce from that shit um and then boom it starts this like three-year random ass process of not hearing shit and then hearing a little bit and then hearing a little you know what i mean like my very very close friends are Don C and Virgil and and GLC and all, all all the guys around them are actually my really really good friends. Like I known Don since I was super young and, and Virgil. Like I met I met all these people through different areas that had nothing to do with Yay. They just all happened to be you know in Yay's camp. Um, like I said, Chicago. Like everybody knows each other. So Don Don is like one of my he's one of my like close he's like somebody as a confidant to me like i i will call don and ask advice and things like that and uh so i kept calling don c and virgil like yo like because they would tell me all the little random shit he would say and because he because basically i called don like almost right after the studio and was like yo he was fucking with this song what you think he's like man sit on that shit don't put it out don't do shit just sit on it i'm like bet say less right so i'm sitting on it and then it becomes a long ass time and i'm like 
well, I'm, I'm starting to feel like, man, I haven't put out music in like five, six years, so I don't want niggas to forget about me. So I was like, you know, thinking about, you know, putting maybe one or two out or doing something like, you know, instead of just sitting there, he's like, bro, every time, bro, just sit on it, just chill. Like, and then I got a call, oh, yo, Ye wants to fuck with the song. I'm like, oh, yes, boom, sit that shit right away. And then Don, like I said, I kept calling them. And Virgil, Virgil, Don, GLC, and my cousin Mano were like very integral in in the reason why I got signed to Good Music. They would constantly like show Yay what the fuck I was doing and shit, and constantly being like this nigga dope. You know what I mean? And I'm all I'm forever indebted to them for that shit because it was if it if it was them, right? And especially like. Mano, Virgil, Don, all, like they really pushed, like, hey man, fuck with this dude, right? I'd be sitting in the back of RSVP with Virgil, like, plotting the next move and shit. So it's just a ton of time goes fast. And then I hear, oh, you know, him and Jay Z fucking with the song. And then I heard, oh, it's going to be on the Cruel Summer album. And then I heard, I just kept hearing little rumblings and shit. And I'm like, just, wondering right and, it, and over time like you almost get like you almost forget about it because this is like a two-year process from when we was in the studio so finally me and mano are in la we're at the roosevelt hotel chilling by the pool just kicking it and like a billboard billboard like you know news ad pops up it says beyonce and Andre 3000 to cover the uh, Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. And I'm like, all right, she said, he said Jay-Z. I'm like, this gotta be something with my shit. I'm like, so I, I hit Kanye, like, hey, cause I, like, I had Kanye contact and I'm like, I'm not trying to blow the nigga up ever. So I was just like, I was very seldomly ever hit him. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna hit him about this shit. I'm like, yo, is, is this is this the, the joint? He's like, and he just his response, oh, my bad, dog. I, I forgot to uh, send you the joint. And, and so he sends me a, a link, something. He's sending me like a private YouTube to the song. He sends me the trailer of the Great Gatsby movie with the song in the trailer. And I was like, what the fuck? Bro, I lost my goddamn mind, bro. It was amazing. Like, I was like in an airport at the like well, by the time he responded to me, I was in an airport in Vegas, like trying not to bug out, like. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then he 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 paid me for the shit, gave me hella points on the shit, like he did a, he did super right by me on that record. And then on top of that, because like once he once he did the joint, I just started flooding this nigga with music videos, every, everything that I was doing. I'm like, nah, he's gonna see it. And then finally, they offered to sign me. I signed my deal, put out my first album, and then boom, it, it, it went from there. And then by the time I was, my second album was done, it uh, the whole good music thing kind of was like a wash. Right. And I wanted, you kind of brought it up um, in that explanation, like you were really close with Don C, Virgil, and yeah. obviously your cousin Mano, and like, yeah. You know, I met Mano recently, a couple weeks ago. He's super cool. But how did yeah. um how did you meet Don C and like how did you meet Virgil? Like how did that come about? Like I know there was I know you were really hustling, like trying to get 
Kanye's attention like early, early, like 08, 09, like at the graduation. Uh, but see, that's the thing. I really wasn't, though. That's the funny part. Like, I never really, like, we were always around the camp because Mano was a big DJ and Mano was super plugged with everybody. And so we just knew everybody through there. But I never, I never was like, we never, I never sent Kanye no songs, no nothing like that. I never tried to get signed before that. None of that shit. We had, um, I had built a scene. There was a whole like scene that happened in 2008 that myself, this group called Flostradamus, um, the uh, kid sister, the cool kids. There was this like emergent scene, and it was like I hate to call it party rap because it wasn't necessarily party rap, but it was like 120 BPM, like. Uh, it was like a a hyper more fun like space and the issue that we would always have in chicago is that nobody fucked with each other everybody was so out for self and we wanted to change that shit so i used to throw these massive parties and i would see that these artists were like popping off of my parties so i started performing at my own parties and me and mano started making music and shit mano started the remixes and we blew up and got ourselves signed on our own there was never any in, you know involvement or influence from Ye except for when I first started popping. When I was already signed and I dropped my first single and video, Kanye put it on his blog. But I was already signed and already like making it happen. We were already like I was already playing a Lollapalooza and shit. So with Don, my father and my and Don's father were really close friends. I know Don since I was like a little kid. Like, and Don C, literally, since I was, like, fucking seven years old, has been fresh. Like, there's no, like, you know how motherfuckers, like, they got the style card and they get called fresh, but really, they just got fresh, like, ten years ago. (laughs) Don C, from the start, my nigga, like, as a little kid, Don C was fresh as fuck, bro. Like, he been that person. He's been Don C his whole life. And that nigga, that's just my nigga, bro. I love him. And, um... Don, I'm so I know I've known Don forever. It wasn't really a, like a, a meeting, you know what I mean? Right, I know him yeah, since yeah. I was a little kid. But but Don, when Don started popping and shit like that, well, based off of what when I was old enough to be around the shit, because Don been popping since I was I was a little kid. So by the time I was like old enough to go to some parties and shit, Don and them were already up. They were already big as hell and shit. But Don C never once ever like left me on red, didn't call me back, didn't, like, he, like, bro, he showed me that you can be of a high level of success and still be a genuine good person and still be thorough and still answer, you know what I mean? Like, literally on times where I'm like, man, I don't even want to bother, bro, he'll just hold me the fuck down, bro. If I call down right now, and I'm like, man, I really need you, bro, call, call me in two seconds. And I just, that shit, like, it, it, it molded something in my mind, bro. So, like, Don, I just, that's my nigga, bro. Um, and Virgil, I met, me and Mano used to creative direct. We were on a creative team for Lupe Fiasco a long time ago called Righteous Come Fruit before I was a rapper. we So we would, like, design merch. And, like, I did his first album. The first album he put out, Food and Liquor, I did the inside covers, CDs, all, all of the artwork except for the, um, except for the, the main cover my nigga no pattern did that shit like the actual cover but we were part of the creative team and that was me my cousin and then my girlfriend at the time Mian, and then my guy glyph and we were just any any type of creative art like toys 
t-shirts, all that type of shit. We would we would make and try to make any and everything for Lupe. And and during that time, Lupe had all type of shit going on. And I met Virgil then. I met him like on a radio show with we were on a radio show with Lupe. He was talking about some shit and Virgil was there and he was helping and shit like that. And that's where we met. And then Virgil ended up going and working with Ye. Or he might've already been working with Ye at the time, but I don't remember. That's where I met the nigga. And from then he like, he's the same, like just a solid, thorough genius motherfucker. And, uh, and then him and Don started RSVP and, and we started the super fun party together and like, yeah, these are just my guys, bro. You know what I mean? Like, and of course, Kanye is the common denominator, but he wasn't a major factor in my relationships with these people. That's why you see me more with them than, 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 yeah, not, I mean, I, I don't see the nigga yet. He's just, you know, he's Kanye. Um, GLC is the first person to give me a feature ever. He was, GLC was the first artist that was like, trying to see the real culture of shit. He was one of the... When he was at his height, GLC was another person that would reach down and pull people up. He, he like, was huge. He, had, he was on spaceships at the time. And, you know, I had the song called Swerve and Lean, and I asked him to get on it, and he got on it no problem and turned me up. And, like, he was another one that was vouching for me all the time. He would come to all the parties and shit. Like, these motherfuckers was just good dudes, bro. And so that's how I met all of them just through time and shit. Like, and then obviously my cousin Mano, like Mano knew most of them first, but like we all just, me and my cousin Mano are like, we're best friends. And literally every single day, we spent every single day together. So there wasn't a moment he wasn't in that I wasn't in or whatever. So I can't even remember half of the shit of who met who first or whatever. But yeah. That's hard, bro. And I think it's a good point to kind of segue into Friendship Club, which um, is your brand, like, clothing brand that you just kind of started when did you when did it start like when did you launch friendship club technically started at complex con 2019 yes and how did that how did you start it at like complex con like where did it how did you lead into that like what went into that well i so the term friendship has just been like i don't know i don't know if this happens to other people but certain words they like connect with me and just lock in and like they kind of define me right like the word friendship just just a word that just stuck with me it's everything i believe in it's everything i'm really about like i've been screaming friendship since i don't i can't even recall when i really started saying friendship but like anybody that knows me the first thing they say is the word friendship and i have it tattooed on the side of my head for like over 10 years and so when I started, when I was a musician, when I started rapping, I also was in the streetwear, the beginnings of streetwear and shit. And one of the biggest things is streetwear went from, streetwear came from like skate shops. It used to be like, if you had your own little shop, you had a local shop and you made your own merch and shit. And they were like the first people to have cuss words on, on t-shirts and shit like that. And so it would expand and the Supreme, A-Life, all of these things hit. And so what I would try to do all the time is I would try to connect 
other brands, connect other artists. Like, if you were artists that I fuck with and there was artists over there that I fuck with and y'all didn't know each other, I made sure y'all met. Or I made sure y'all try to work with each other. Or if y'all niggas had beef, I'd be like, both y'all niggas shut the fuck up and be friends. I'm going to beat both y'all ass. You know what I mean? Like, I would just, I wanted people to be more together. Like, the scene we started in the in 2008 was all about that. You had every type of person at our parties and shit like that. My life work has definitely been about bringing people together, right? And so, like like I said, everybody knows me for this. And then um, we had, I, I basically, I've always been planning on starting it. And then CompassCon was happening in Chicago. It was the Chicago CompassCon, the first one. And, uh, wait, did they do two of them here? Oh. Uh, I think there was only one, right? Because then COVID hit. Yeah, because like COVID probably. Yeah. Probably so the first, the, so the Chicago Compass Con, I got reached out to do a booth. And at the time, I was like still working on my second album. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, what the fuck? Like, like well, you know what? Let me do like, I, I would go, I used to go to Agenda and Magic and all these other trade shows all the time that were for streetwear. So I already knew kind of what the lay of the land of ComplexCon was going to be. It was basically a trade show for the public. And I was like, what can we show? I'm like, you know what, let me kick off this friendship shit. The one thing I didn't like about um, trade shows is they'd have panels, right? And the panels would be like, you'd have like, one person or a guy who works for something or the VP of marketing at Nike or whatever the fuck. And then, you know, you got a whole giant place with a thousand people in it. And then there's only 30 seats or 40 seats so people can see the shit. So it was like, all this always just rushed to go see the, the, um, the panels. So I was like, fuck it. Let's just do our own panel at our booth. And if you walk up, you can just see the shit. Right. And so, I wanted to do, I did this thing called the Friendship Exchange where I wanted to have actual conversations with my friends instead of like doing the normal um, interview question. Like I wanted to talk to them about home life and what their mentality was on like, you know, diet, you know, or, or ways to like, my main question was to get people to understand how people got to their successes and what their mentality was like so they can kind of look at that instead of just the action, right? So I reached out to some homies. Now, luckily, you know, I'm, I'll never ignore the fact that I have a lot of great friends, but I always believe in people before they blow up because I, I just want people to win. And so when they blow up, they still my friends, right? They still show love and whatnot. Like, so I reached out to Jerry. I wanted to see if he was there. He said, yes, he came by a Laylee. Now, I, I don't know Laylee since she was just working at the store in Chicago, but I always knew she was a hustler and she was brilliant. So I, I, I foresaw what her success was going to be. And so when she reached that shit, it was like the shit, you know what I mean? And she recalls all of the times I'm like, nah, I mean, you about to snap. You know what I mean? And so now these are all my friends and they're all successful. So I was able to get a great lineup of artists to come speak at my booth. So obviously, you know, the first one was um, Jerry Lorenzo, and he comes through, and obviously, like, the whole fucking place mobs down on my shit. We got merch going. We got a DJ. We got free food. Like, we just, like, catered to making a good time happen for everybody that wasn't, like, self-serving. Like, I'm like, I want everybody to be able to hear 
Jerry speak. I want everybody to hear Alele speak and, and Melody Asani and all of these people that came to the booth. And also, like, just have a good time, man. Play some good-ass hip-hop. Like, and then here, there's some merch for sale if you want it. But it went off crazy. Like, people bugged out and shit. So I was like, all right, it's time to kick off this thing, right? And um, so we started. The merch all sold out really fast. The, 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 the shit was dope. The party went crazy. And then we had, like, all of this press and all these people talking about how our booth went off. So people were looking and like, yo, what's up with this friendship shit you're doing? I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna kick it off as the brand because I, we had, like, I had, like, four businesses I had started, but friendship kind of just took its own wings. So we kind of put – we took all the elements from the other ones and just put them all into friendship. And, uh, you know, to me it's perfect because it's a real representation of who I am. So – uh, so we started the friendship brand and the way to kick off the actual clothing brand. It was the first um, event we had was in Paris for fashion week. And we had this giant three story party. I did it with my friends from Paris and London. And like, we just came together as friends and brought all of our people together. And it was just this giant melting pot, crazy party that was just going crazy and uh and then that's how friendship club started and then from then then we did all-star weekend that shit went crazy and then from and then right after all-star weekend we were like planning a coachella like pool event and then boom COVID hit and smoked fucking everything yeah so like did the pandemic i mean you just kind of said it how much did that kind of squash what you had in store fucking smoked me dog that shit (laughs) killed my shit i was tight at first I was like, cause we had, I was, I was literally flying to London like a, a week after like they started the quarantine. Like my date was like 10 days after that. I was going to London to set up some shit. Um, I had my, you know, we were going to put out the, I was like working on my new record. I was hoping to put it out that year. <clears throat> this album that I'm working on now, um, Friendship Club had just started, you know what I mean? And we were, like, a fit base. So, like, we were, like, creating these fun moments where you can buy the clothes within the event. So that was, like, our whole thing. And then so, obviously, when COVID hit, it shut all of that shit down. Like, we had a Nike collaboration. We were, oh, it was it was a fucking nightmare. All of this dope shit that we had planned and set up just got fucking thrown out the window. And so we could have been like, oh, it's over. But we were like, fuck it. People at home, make pillows, make masks. I don't give a fuck. Like, so we just started making product and putting it up on the site. And, and people were buying it, thank God. And, and then it kept us afloat. And then we dropped our first collection in January. And that shit went crazy. And, and it's just been really, really good ever since. I, I'm just really um, fortunate and, and appreciative and grateful that people support us. You know, they support my ideas and things like that so i'm just a grateful motherfucker over here i think part of that though is because you're just you're lodged in the community because it's like you're very chicago to the bones and it's like yeah you, know, you do the, the softball games with league of their own shy yeah. and you know you hold yeah. just today I, I was on the you know instagram getting ready for the interview and i saw what you guys put up a mural in the city yeah. and like the first person that goes and tags y'all in the post like gets free clothes and it's like your all stuff yeah. is nice quality you know I've, I've seen the merch i want some of the merch and it's yeah, like to, we, we to... keep we keep a high quality shit over here yeah yeah i mean you guys got end tables for christ's sake you know what i mean it's not just <laughs> it's not just some gildans and some uh hands so yeah 
Um, it's really, really cool. And like, I think again, we're starting to see things open back up and like, there's going to be yeah. a ton of events that you're going to get yourself into. And oh, the logo's yeah. hard too. Yeah. Like the hand, the, the hand, the font, it, it is really cool. And like, it's really Thanks, exciting man. to see where it's going to go. Um, what, what else, what else do you have in store? Like for friendship club, like what's kind of lined up for the future? Oh man, we got so much dope shit happening for friendship club. We're really trying to go fucking crazy with this shit. We have, uh, literally the whole year next year, this, it, the, this full end of year and in the beginning of, of next year, all planned out completely. Uh, definitely like a bunch more events and we have some major collabs coming out that are going to be super exciting. Like, I don't even want to say shit because I want people to be like, wait, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I want people to like just bug out when they find out. But, uh, we have a bunch of collaborations. We have a bunch of, um, events that we're doing. We're going to do another baseball game like next month because fuck that. I'm, I'm pissed that we lost. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to give it another go gonna have to uh you know defend a title and then we're dropping the jerseys the end of of this month um uh in august we have a major event coming out um we're dropping a summer collection we're dropping a fall collection we're dropping a specific collab for art basel in miami uh dude just a ton of fireness coming your way and the rollins jerseys that were at the games those are going to be sold at St. Alfred's, right, in Chicago? Yeah, so we're dropping those, right, we're dropping those at St. Alfred at the end of this month. I'll be posting the actual date, um, like, shortly. And where so. did the, where did the, like, fashion and, and, and just streetwear, like, I mean, I think I could kind of answer it myself. I'd rather you do it, though, but, like, where did that come from from you, and, like, when did you kind of realize, like, Similarly with the music, like, ah, shit, like, this is something I really want to, like, run with and put some energy into. Well, this is, like, it's because it's something that I, like, the things that I'm into are not based off of, um, like, you know, being in the know or shit like that. This is just my universe. Like, I've always been in fashion. I've always design clothing like i started designing clothes when i was 14 like i always been into fashion i've always been into music i was like the two things i never get bored of is designing clothing and making music so those are the things that i do right those that's what i love that's why it's not hard for me to live my life because i just doing what i actually love to do it's not based off of I watched a lot of people start music careers because they knew other people in music, so they thought that they could do it. Or people trying to get into fashion because they see that that's, like, the cool thing to do. But it's like, if, if you know, I didn't have the spaces that I had, I'd still be designing clothes. I'd still be making music. I just, this is what I, this is who I am. So, um, of course, because I try to be as genuine as I can, I've, you know, develop my own relationships within the things that I love and I'm able to be successful at it because I put the amount of work that I need to into it. Um, but yeah, the, the fashion thing, like I've been fresh since I like, since the minute I could get a job, I was, I was fresh because we grew up, I, you know, I'm a little older. So I, I was before the internet, me and my cousin Mano used to drive 
to like fucking Indiana or Milwaukee because we heard some store had, you know, Jordan 3s sitting on ice. You know what I mean? Before there was raffles or streetwear stores or any of that shit or like anything on the internet. You couldn't buy shoes off the internet. So like I um I grew up having the wackest gear. My older brother would get new whack clothes and then I'd get the hand-me-down whack clothes. So my clothes wasn't just whack, they was old whack. And <laughs> my my father said he's never paying more than his age for shoes. And he said that shit when he was like 30 years old. So I'm like, oh my God, my nigga. We was out here fucked up with the with the fit. Like, <laughs> I had every janky fucking shoe. I Bro, I remember every fucking... Uh, brand name that I had to wear that was bootleg as fuck because you went to school niggas torched your ass like <laughs> I had Gregors, Voyage, Attack Force all the shit that you got from fucking um, Payless or Walmart bro they just had us down bad the only time I had cool shoes in grade school was when the 5411 Reebok like the classic Reeboks was like on sale for 20 seven dollars we would go to like ladies foot locker to get them just so they'd be a little cheaper <laughs> or or uh when the nike cortezes would be on the low that was the only time i had like name brand shoes so the first job i ever got was at foot action and then i so i technically my first job was at a roller skating rink but like when i was like of age like 16 or whatever when you when you could legally work in a store right i got a job at foot action and then i worked at champs and then i worked at finish line i worked at every fucking shoe store that was and my nigga when i say i didn't come home with money ever bro i i spent my whole check on the motherfucking shoes in the store with the <laughs> discount bro i was literally just working for shoes because i was just i really that's what i love i'm like man i grew up a kid watching michael jordan my nigga like and I never had no Jordans ever. So I was like, shit, the minute I got a job, nigga, I was dropping hella bread on all that shit. And then, boom, Nike Dunks came out. And I was like, oh, this is my shit. Bro, I had the Heineken. I had every dunk there was, right? So, like, it wasn't, it was, I think it just comes from a mentality of not having that, you know, the thing that you always wanted. So when you are able to get it, like, to this day, bro, I can't turn down a pair of shoes. My wife want to kill me, bro. I got like fucking 500, 600 pairs of shoes in my house on some <laughs> dumb shit. And so it's just something that, I, like, it was always about being fresh. And Chicago was like a fresh city. Like, you can't be out here looking dirty and bummy. Niggas will roast your ass. Like, yep. your shit had to be crispy, nigga. Like, so it's it's kind of like the, the Chicago mentality. You come out looking your best and shit. You come out trying to be fresh. You come up to the party, niggas want to see what you're wearing type shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had to start a jacket. Niggas like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> nobody gave a fuck about toys or nothing. Like, it was like, what, what you wearing? So we just always been like a fresh city, and I'm I'm a product of that shit. Like, I just love being fresh. And then, like, obviously, you look at garments or clothing, you're like, man, this shit would be doper if it had a pocket on the sleeve. And then you start drawing. And then, boom. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm, just, I'm just a fashion person. It's just what's in my blood type shit. And I'm like a music person. Yeah, I mean it's something you're, it's something you're definitely gonna be doing for the long haul, at least with friendship club. Yeah, you have the you have the logo tatted on your neck. I mean, you get a ton of tattoos, but I mean it's it's one. Yeah. I noticed recently you got it right on your neck. Was that like the day before yeah. the game or something like that? Because it looked brand yeah. new when I saw you. Yeah. So I, well, well, my thing is, 
I don't give a fuck about no popularity shit. You know, I understand that all brands have a moment, right? They like get big and then they fall off, whatever. I could care less about that shit. I'm gonna make dope shit that people and hopefully people like it. If they end up stop liking it, whatever. But I'll never not be repping friendship till I die, bro. Like I love that shit, and so why not get that shit tattooed on my neck? That's how I really feel. You know what I mean? All I can be is 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 authentic to myself. Like you know what I mean? I'm sure the guys that, you know, Triple Five Soul have Triple Five Soul tattoos. I would rock that shit, too, if I started Triple Five Soul. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm like, the, the the word friendship is more important to me than the brand friendship. The whole, per, the whole mentality, like the logo is me. It's called Friendship Club because it's a club that everybody can get in. It's something that you can represent and be a part of. It's like it's it's like positive gangbanging almost. You know what I'm saying? It's like you like the hand is throwing up. Like in Chicago, we throw we whatever we represent, we throw that shit up. So the hand is symbolizing throwing up friendship. And if you fuck with friendship, you in the club. Welcome to the CLB. You know what I mean? That's hard. I want people to like. I don't. I don't have like. You know, I don't have political agendas or any type of mentality behind the brand, except for sparking anything in your mind positive like i want you to see the word even if you're walking down the street with a friendship club sweatshirt on somebody's gonna read the word friendship and hopefully that sparks something nice we got enough hard niggas we got enough gangster shit and whatever the fuck like i'm tired of that shit like we need to have positive affirmations you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. like uh, you know, every fucking t-shirt you see, brass knuckles, live strong, tough heart, da 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 wolf. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we get it, nigga. Like, you hard. But the funny <laughs> thing is, the niggas wearing that shit don't be hard at all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I'm naturally a hard motherfucker. That's just how I am. I don't know. Like, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just hard. So... Even if I try to be as positive as I can, the gangsterness obviously comes out in the brand itself. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I'm just being me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think um, I wanted to kind of transition to just like, you know, if people can't get it, uh, you're clearly busy. Um, <laughs> you don't, you <laughs> yeah, might not dude. have a lot of free time, but like what you, <laughs> yeah. when you do, what does it look like then when it's like, all right, bro, like my phone's powered off or whatever it is. And like, I, I'm just tapped out, you know, like what, is, what are you doing with your time when it's like not, you know, working on your brand or working on your music and, and just working on things in the city? Oh my God, bro. I I can't, bro. I wish I could answer that question. Nigga, I'm never chilling ever, <laughs> never chilling. But you know what? I have so much fun working on what I work on that it's not a problem. Every time I do a photo shoot, like everything you see, I do. It's me and a team of like two people and we make everything. Like we design everything. We source everything. We shoot everything. Like everything. I'm If I'm not designing clothes, I'm editing the photos. I'm shooting the, the videos. I'm doing any and everything. I'm setting up the events, whatever. That's just Friendship Club. Not even talking about my music shit. So it's like, what I want to say is this. I'm, everybody's got their own path, right? And everybody's got their own work ethic and whatnot. I'm just saying, if you, I've never gone out of style, thank God, right? Because I never stopped doing shit. I never chill. I never reminisce. I, I do something and it's dope and then that shit 
runs out of its time, okay, start the next thing. Just keep moving forward. And, like, there's no motherfucking, it's, there's no hookups in this shit. There's no, I met this person and they did this and now I'm lit. I, or I, I sent this shirt to somebody and they wore it and it blew up and now I'm lit. That shit doesn't happen at all. You have to put a billion hours into everything. And there's no escaping the work. And that's the thing. So my, so I just like to say, like, if you do what you love, the work ain't hard. Like, I got, you know, my days are like, but I don't have, like, I don't stop at 5 o'clock and go home. I don't have weekends. Like, today, today, I found out it was Memorial Day because nobody was answering their phone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> right, which is good. Like, I like that shit. I like those days. Like, Christmas, it makes me sit down because I no one else is working, so I can't work by myself, right? But I have so much fun. Like, I'll make a wallet or a belt or some shit and, like, we'll, you know, engrave it. And then, like, seeing the final product, it's like, oh, my God, this shit is dope. Like, you know, we want to know, like, I wear Friendship Club almost head to toe every day because I just love it that much. It's dope to me, right? Yeah. So, like, I'd be like, I'm fresh, you know what I'm saying? And I hope that other people feel fresh in it. I want people to take care of that shit. Like, you know, I want people to see the quality. Like, I know you're not going to go wash your fucking car in Friendship Club. You're going to wear that shit out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's easily wearable and shit. And, like, like in the music, everything, I just, like, when you, when you have an idea and you make it come to fruition, like, 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 you know, shout out to Nolis. Like we shoot the the campaign photo shoots, but I'm sitting there while he's shooting the photos of the clothes on the models. Man, it's the most like gratifying feeling. Like, damn, look at that shit. It's dope. And then when the images come out, all of that shit. I'm just really excited and love what I'm doing. So ain't no motherfucking days off. And if I have any time, all that shit goes to my son. Oh, all yeah, yeah, you have a son. Yeah, I'm married with a baby. So it's like, well, he's not even a baby no more. This nigga's four years old. But, like, I don't... I mean, any anybody in, 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 in this capacity will tell you, like, it's hard. And, and of course, like, it, it sucks at some point because I remember one day, right, I was driving from the factory. I'm covered in wood dust and fucking styrofoam and shit from building out some... We were, I think we were building out the wall or some shit that, that we were going to make at Complex Con. But anyway, I'm in my car, dirty as hell, stanking ass, like just put 10 hours of work putting flowers on something, right? And I'm driving up Damon and I look at Big Star and I see a whole bunch of my homies at Big Star just drinking and eating outside and shit. And that shit looked so fun. I was like, damn, I wish I could do that shit. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I could just fucking pull up and hang out and eat and whatever. But it's like, but I got, one, I got a lot of people counting on me to make this shit, you know, stay a success so other people can feed their kids, et cetera. And on top of that, you know, you don't get, this is why, like, I want to drive Ferraris. So this is what I got to do, right? I, I don't get to chill. And whatnot. And everybody's got their own path. Like, some people are good doing that and shit. I'm not. Nigga, I want to be... I want to do that shit in Puerto Rico when I rent out the whole hotel. So that's what I'm working towards, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so there's just no fucking... 
there's no way you're going to have any type of like proper success or have that mansion that you dream about or that boat without putting a trillion hours in the shit. Unless you come from, you know, multi-million dollar family, right? Yeah, a trillion so, hours is, is a new way I've heard it. Um, bro, trillion. Yeah, 10,000 ain't even enough no more, nigga. Yeah, he's... Yeah. <laughs> everything's oversaturated. Right. Now, it used to be, if you had a clothing brand, that shit was like an anomaly. You got your own clothing brand? What the fuck? Now, everybody in their fucking mama has a clothing brand. Now, everybody in their fucking mama is an artist. Now, everybody in their fucking mama is a DJ. It's been open too much where it's too much access to anybody and everybody to do it. If you decide you want to become a, a a brand, literally, you'll start seeing ads on your Instagram for, like, embroidery. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, it's just opened up. And I'm not hating. I'm not salty about nothing. Like, great. If you got some dope shit, it'll shine. If it, you know, if the shit's whack, it's not gonna hold. So, it's but it's definitely harder to keep the attention of people. You know what I mean? So, like I said, I I always end the shit with like I'm just fucking appreciative that people still support me. They support my music. They support my brand and whatnot. And I'm just forever grateful because I know that's a blessing. And it's not, you know, because you can put in a million hours no matter what, and you'll still make some whack shit. Yeah. So I'm I'm just thankful that people are fucking with it. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I don't really have too many uh, questions for you. I do have a couple, though. Um, man, go crazy. You got to gotta love the sneakers, so I do as well. I mean, I started really fucking with, like, really sneaker. Like, I'm a sports fanatic. Like, we talked about earlier. I'm from yeah. Boston, so, like, oh, I, was born, I was born in 2000, so it's, like, you know, basically every Damn! year – yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So basically every year of my life, like we've won. That's like what I know and you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's just um but Hold you know on. and not, st- not two thousand and six? Yeah, not uh, basically oh six we lost the White Sox won. Yeah, the White Sox won in 05, but 06 we lost, but we still made the AFC Championship game with the Patriots, you know? And then in 07 yeah. we won the World Series, and then in 08 we right. won the finals. 09 we took the year off. All right, got, all know? right, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, like, my love for sports, like, I don't, like, I'm not, like, your typical Boston fan where it's, like, they're kind of just yeah. centric on their teams. Like, I love the NBA, you know what I mean? Like, I like when I say right, people, you love like, the whole structure. The shield or the, the logo, yeah. whatever you want to say for, yeah. like, whatever uh, league. And it's just, right. like, with that being said, obviously, like, you know, the music and athletes and, and, and fashion, it's all one anomaly if, if you really look at it yeah. the right way. And it's like you would, I would and that, always and that see. that happened actually recently. Recently, the, the blend of fashion, music, and sports, like it used to be, you know, fashion and music were like cousins. Right. But now sports, now you, you know, these basketball, used to be basketball players couldn't dress for shit. Now these motherfuckers is fresh as hell. Sports is like and, the in-laws, I feel like. Yeah, but now, but now it's like really intertwined. Now you got, I mean, and I would literally like, like say people like Don C are like a huge part of why sports is in fashion now. Well, like, the twos. I, the twos he did. Yeah. Yes. Well, Dr. I'm just Dre. saying all of that shit, like, like Chicago, and I'm, you know, maybe I'm jumping off the bridge here, but. I feel like Chicago changed the whole scape of fashion in general. Like, because we come from the Jordan era, right? Jordan was the first motherfucker to make 
to have some shoes that niggas wore even if they didn't play sports. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was now a status symbol to be fresh. And and you wore that shit with the Jordan and whatever, right? So, like, I think, like, our 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 mentality on style and fashion is deep-seated in sports because of Jordan. And, 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 it, and it plays out in a lot of our shit. And you see, you know, majority of people from Chicago are, are very, you know, well-regarded in the fashion world and shit. And somebody like Don, who, like, leaned hard on this whole sports fashion, like, even with the Just Don hats and, like, the Just Don brand itself, like, you know, it made, he, he put the, he put the quality and the fashion stamp on sports shit. Yeah. He's done so, so many collabs with KD, like so many. Bro, Don is the fucking truth. So yeah, because of because of Chicago, Jordan and Don, sports is now in fashion. What are your what are your top three like personal favorite just like shoe models, like, you know, Jordan ones or whatever? You know what's funny is it'd be it I just like I designed a pair of blazers that's not out yet that are fucking insane they're my favorites um but like i like i said like i i'd be making my own shit and i think that shit is raw like i'm i'd be getting high on my own supply for that shit yeah um but my favorite shoes are obviously the jordan ones actually adidas gazelles the unlucky dunks um which i have the undefeated dunks um, I was a huge dunk head. I had all the dunks. Um, and the newest, my newest favorite ones are the ready-made blazers that I have. I fucking just think these are the dope. This is the most punk rock shoe ever made to me. Yeah, that's hard, bro. Well, yeah. I don't really got uh, any other questions for you. So, you know, is there <laughs> anything, you know, tell everybody where to find your music, where to follow you on social media, and, like, shout out whoever yes. you want to shout out before I hit this outro. Uh, shout out to all the fucking homies. Shout out to the 13-3. Shout out to Don, Virgil, GLC, Mano, uh, Jerry, everybody, Alele, blah, blah, blah. You know who you are. I love all you niggas. Um, follow me at Holt Music, H-X-L-T Music, on all platforms and shit. Uh, please stream my albums because they're dope. Um, uh, and please go to friendshipclb.com and get fresh with me yeah Uh, guys check out his check out his uh, friendship club check out his music Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I appreciate everybody who listens to this I appreciate you for having me on here Um, I want everybody to win I hope everybody finds the success that they deserve um, and just keep fucking working. And, and when people tell you that maybe you should try something else or maybe people will tell you they doubt what you're doing or, you know, they try to tell you to have a backup plan and any of that shit, tell them all to shut the fuck up and keep going. <laughs> fuck them all. You're right. Everybody, there's half the people in the world fuck with you and half the people in the world don't. Find the half that fucks with you and everybody else and shut the fuck up. Damn straight. <laughs> Damn straight. Well, 
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Culture Capture Spotlight podcast. Tune in again next week for another episode, and we'll be back shortly with a new one. Thank you. Thank you, Pete.